Welcome to Sex Ed with DB. I'm your host, Danielle Bezalow. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the podcast. If you love and support the work that we do, join my crew on Patreon to win amazing prizes like our adorable merch, exclusive behind the scenes content, private sessions with yours truly, and incredible sex toys. Go to patreon.com slash sexedwithdb to join my crew. Get discounts at all of my favorite brands at sexedwithdb.com. And follow us on Instagram at sexedwithdbpodcast and on TikTok at sexedwithdb. If you want to partner with us, email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. Let me tell you a story about when I discovered the magic wand. I was working for a sex tech company at the time, and the CEO gave me a magic wand original as a gift. This thing looks so big and old school. I'm not sure I'm ever going to use it, I thought to myself. But when I was home alone one night with no roommates in sight, I decided to plug this puppy in and see what it could do. Little did I know, it did everything. In about 15 seconds. Wow, I thought. Boy, was I wrong. Six years later, the Magic Wand original still has a special place in my heart and my bedside drawer, so I can access it easily for whenever I need it. It feels amazing in all the right places, is super powerful, and brings me endless pleasure. Do you have a fun Magic Wand story you want to share? Go to sexedwithdb.com slash magicwand to share your story now. You can even get a discount on your favorite Magic Wand product. What are you waiting for? Here's a fact I bet you didn't know. Nearly three out of four women have experienced pain during sexual intercourse at some time during their lives. That's 75%. For some women, the pain is only a temporary problem, but for others, it's a long-term problem. I am one of those people who has experienced painful sex. Pain can happen for many different reasons, but one product that has consistently decreased my pain and increased my pleasure in the bedroom is UberLube. UberLube is a silky smooth silicone-based lube recommended by leading doctors, and its body-friendly ingredient list makes it widely used by people with sensitivities to lubricants. Another amazing thing about UberLube is that it doesn't leave a sticky residue like water-based lubes do. It lasts for a long time and doesn't stain clothing or bedding. I have three bottles of UberLube on my bedside table right now, ready when I need it. If you're someone who wants to feel more pleasure in the bedroom, use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at uberlube.com. Trust me, it's amazing. Are you falling into a pattern with your partner? Looking to spice things up but aren't sure how? Me and my partner exit our ordinary with Lion's Den. Lion's Den has hundreds of your favorite brands to help you and your partner reconnect or try something new. From novices to dungeon masters, there are products for every comfort level. With 50 plus years in business, Lion's Den is here to help. Can't make it to a local store? Shop online and chat with a customer service team member while you shop. Lion's Den offers our listeners 15% off in-store and online using code SEXEDWITHDB at lionsden.com. Whitney, welcome to the podcast. How's it going today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm so good, my friend. It is really, really wonderful to have you on here. We, you know, really made pals of each other from this wonderful app called TikTok. And now we are we are here. And I am so excited to learn from you and to have my audience learn from you. And so, yeah, I just want to say thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for and having me. Of course. Yeah, I'm really <laughs> stoked. But yeah, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for folks who don't know you and tell us just a bit about your background and your work. 
Yeah. Okay. So my name's Whitney Miller. I'm the owner and content creator for BDE Moves, and that's on Instagram and TikTok. And I do sex education. I also do pleasure coaching. That's kind of become a big thing for me lately. And that's what I do. I love that. And you also do, at least from your from your bio, you do yoga. You want to talk a little about about your your yoga background a little? Sure. Um, so I've been a yoga practitioner for about seven years now, and I became a facilitator about four years ago. And that's basically the foundation of my sex education because you can't feel pleasure without being in your body. So having that background is very helpful to my clients. Is like leading them over with breath work or physical movement or just looking at their body and seeing that the tension or anxiety is there. It's very helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. And I I just remember, you know, like at least a year ago now coming across your content and just knowing how confident you feel, at least in your body when you're making your sex ed videos. And it's really magnetic, like the way that you talk about pleasure and sex and desire and, you know, communication. Those are all things that are really, really important to a healthy sex life with yourself and with a partner if you so choose. And it's really refreshing seeing someone who's an educator really be so unabashed about getting people the pleasure education that they need and having it be queer inclusive and just matter of fact and, you know, gentle. And there are all these things about the way in which that you teach that I really, really admire. So we'll get into all that. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. Thank you, friend. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. It's really, it's really special seeing like other people in the space and how they approach sex education because we all have so much to offer in like very unique ways. And it's fun for all of us to be able to come together to do that. Absolutely. It's going to take every single one of us because, wow, we really need the education. (laughs) Boy, do we. Um, Let's back up a little. I want to know about like your sex ed growing up and like if you had maybe like an aha moment of when you knew that this was maybe your calling. Oh, yeah. So Wow. My sex ed growing up was interesting because for a good chunk of my life, it was like the Southern Baptist influence. So I grew up in East Tennessee. I had one of those evangelical grandmothers. So it was like lots of abstinence programs and those lovely pieces of tape and passing it around and seeing how the adhesive wears out and that being assimilated with women and their worth if they participate in sex. So it was like that fear mongering. But when I was 11, my father remarried and my stepmother was very pivotal in having a positive effect on my sex education. She was always telling me and my stepbrothers like, you know, masturbation is healthy and sex can wait, masturbate kind of like tone in the house. I love that. I haven't heard that rhyme. Yeah, it's like that's our Saturday Night Live, you know, the sex can wait masturbate. Uh, so amazing. (laughs) So that was my stepmom's tone. And that was very helpful in shifting out of that, like shame that purity culture can put on you. It's that wet blanket suffocation. So that was helpful in me discovering things like Dr. Ruth and Dr. Sue Johannesson. Like growing up, when I, I was a teenager, I was the one who was allowed to have this stuff. So my friends would come to me and be like, I don't know. So it started very early being like, here is the truth. Let me smuggle it to you. You know, <laughs> like I bought um, Sex for Dummies by Dr. Ruth Westenheimer when I was 15 and I would take it to school with me. 
and I had like a aluminum foil as the cover. So like nobody knew what I had and I was oh, smart. smuggling it to like my peers and stuff. So I would say I've always been a sex educator. <laughs> yeah, since you were little and how special it is to have your stepmom be so confident and so clear about the fact that, hey, these are all normal things. And it's so special that especially when you're femme or a woman or assigned female at birth, there are so many gender norms that come with that specifically around masturbation. And it's really cool that she was like, hey, go for it. Like this is really exciting and something that you should do on your own if you want to. Yeah. She was like, it's your right. It's your body. So it made it so easy to be able to have that way of advocating for myself and have agency over myself and autonomy. So just absolutely. That's so special. Shout out to your stepmom. That's awesome. Uh, Let's get it. (laughs) Wait, what was her name? Her name's Sherry. So it's like, Sherry, we love you, Sherry. (laughs) Go Sherry. Um, let's talk a little bit about what being a pleasure coach entails, because I think, I do think that this is kind of like a newer field. I think that, you know, people have definitely, as you mentioned, since you were little, since many people were teenagers, they have their certain friends that they go to, to talk about sex and to talk about orgasm and to talk about these things. But when it comes to an actual coach that people pay you for your expertise, right? Like this is a very special, unique thing that you're doing. And I'm curious how that works and, you know, how your queer identity maybe impacts your conversations that you're having and the content around pleasure for your clients. Absolutely. So yeah, when I stepped into pleasure coaching, I was working with a business coach. So there's like that big start of like that whole trickle down is like life coach. So it's like, oh, you get a life coach and then you get like specific subsets off of that. And I was really getting into pleasure based sex. So it was like one thing to be a sex coach. A lot of people would come to you for performance. Oh, I need a toy or things like that. And I really wanted to get away from that performative. How does it look? How does it look? I'm a how does it feel girl? So it's like. That's what I wanted people to associate when they come to me and they wanted coaching because they'd be like, well, what is sex coach? So I just went for the specific. I was like pleasure coaching because I don't just coach in sex. I reach into all facets of your life, like what's your stress management? What's your relational communication dynamics? You know, how do you feel about yourself? What's your self image? Because all of these things affect how you interact with sex. So the pleasure coaching thing, I feel like is birthed out of the concepts of pleasure-based sex, which were really heavily introduced by Dr. Nagoski with her book, Come As You Are. And I think people just jumped from there and was like, yeah, let's go. Let's let's fix it. Yeah. But um, as far as being queer, I feel like that has opened up to where I can be more inclusive. I know specifically for other lesbians, bisexual women, pansexual women, they feel very comfortable approaching me for what they're wanting to get into. But I've had heterosexual men come, heterosexual couples, they feel very comfortable. I feel like that's more attributed to, like you were saying, that I'm confident when I talk about pleasure. And Mm -hmm. that makes it easy for people who are feeling like shame about those conversations to come and just talk. That's what a lot of my clients will say, like, man, it's just so nice just to talk about these things. Because most of my clients are supplementing their therapy 
they all have regular general therapists and they come to me to supplement because, as you know, general therapists only have about nine hours or less of sex education. Don't feel comfortable Mm -hmm. talking about these topics, even marriage counselors. And I can't fathom like sitting with a couple and not having that. Completely. Yeah, that is intriguing. And of course, right, there's like sex therapists who like real like their focus is on the sex, but pleasure is not just about sex. It's about communication and feeling good in your body. And like you said, stress management, I think like, you know, there's a whole conversation that we can get into about this when it comes to like exercise and mental health and not wanting to tie necessarily like your weight loss or things of that nature Mm -hmm. to that conversation, because there's a lot of harm that you can do when you're like, okay, I'm going to count calories. I'm going to make sure that I'm exercising to feel good in my body. But realistically, if we can just focus on like the endorphins that things like exercise, diet, the way, not like going on a diet, but the way in which you eat things that make your body and your mind feel really good, all of those things tie into pleasure and the way in which that we feel good about ourselves. Absolutely. And the thing that ties that all together is getting away from how does this look? Mm -hmm. Fuck that. It's such garbage. How does this look? That's where we get back to like BMIs and all that bullshit. Like, fuck that. How do you feel? Like, does your body feel good? Then you're good. Does the sex feel good? Then it's good. It's like, it doesn't matter how any of it looks. It only matters how it all feels. That is so, so, I've never really thought about this sense of like, really being in tune with your body. And in order to do that though, you have to get really good at articulating those feelings and figuring those things out, which folks who don't go to or haven't been to therapy or haven't really journaled or haven't reflected in those ways, it's a muscle that takes a lot of practice. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as someone whose tendency is to be avoidant, we have to back all the way up to, okay, let's talk about what feelings are and how to identify them. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we teach kids that or we should be right Mm -hmm. of like, you know, young kids, kindergartners, when they're not able to understand, maybe they're sad about something. There are different faces like on a sheet of being like, do you feel this? Do you feel this? Why do you feel this? Absolutely. And delving deep into that. And learning that you can have contradictory feelings. You know, you can be bad and happy and you can be excited and scared. Like it's totally natural. Interested in experimenting with anal sex? Here are 10 things to know before bottoming with expertise from a doctor and anal surgeon at Future Method. Number one, lube is a bottom's best friend. Nothing beats the slickness and endurance of silicone. Number two, there are many types of lube out there, but not all of them are great for your butt. The three types you should avoid are warming lubes, desensitizing or numbing lubes, and spit. Number three, there's a proper way to stretch your hole before your bottoming debut. People talk about introducing toys into foreplay and self-play, but they also serve a very important purpose, dilating and maintaining your hole, both to aid opening and strengthening of the skin and muscle so that you can maximize your pleasure and minimize your risk of injury. Number four, douching with water or enemas isn't good practice. Enter the Future Method Anal Douche Powder Packs, a first-of-its-kind solution you can take on the go to help you feel confident and ready before you bottom. Number five, it's not only okay to speak up, but it's imperative for the health and safety of everyone involved. While initial discomfort may be present, if anything hurts, stop. Want to hear the rest? 
Go to futuremethod.com to learn more and don't forget to use code SEXED with DB for 15% off their amazing products. What do I love about my Freya? The incredible premium razor and clitoral vibrator in one discreet product? Strap in, it's a long list. I love that when I'm already in the shower getting clean, it's super easy for me to grab my Freya and give myself immediate pleasure. No need to get right out of bed, clean my toy, and get out of the mood. As soon as the mood strikes, my Freya is right there to play with. I love how strong it is and that it has six vibe modes to get me feeling the right kind of way. I love the smooth, clean shave it gives. I also love how discreet and easy it is to travel with. I've personally taken Freya on my vacations and have been able to leave it in the shower even if other people are around, like it's my fun little secret. Use code SEXEDWITHDB to get 20% off your Freya. And for a limited time, enter to buy one Freya and get one for your bestie for free. Enter to win at highfreya.com slash sexedwithdb now. And follow Freya on IG and TikTok at Crave Freya. Let me tell you about one of my favorite sex toy shops out there, Lion's Den. If you haven't heard about Lion's Den before, I can't wait to tell you all about them. Lion's Den first opened its retail facility in Columbus, Ohio in 1971. That's right, over 50 years ago. Since then, they have grown to more than 50 outlets throughout the U.S., building its reputation on high-quality products, low prices, and a knowledgeable sales staff. Their staff are also sexual wellness experts who can help you find the perfect toy. One of the many things I love about Lion's Den is that they advocate for a sex-positive perspective on intimacy and sexual well-being, and strive to break the stereotypes and stigma surrounding sex by providing comprehensive educational resources to empower everyone to enjoy life to the fullest. They're simply amazing. Lucky for you, Lion's Den is giving my listeners an exclusive discount of 15% off your purchase in-store and online with code SEXEDWITHDB at lionsden.com. What are you waiting for? Get your amazing Lion's Den toy now. All right, we're going to talk about TikTok a little bit because as I mentioned, that's where I found you. You know, you've been on quite the journey on TikTok and I want to hear your story. I've heard it before, but I want to hear it again because the listeners need to know of having to completely rebuild your platform on TikTok from scratch, you know, like let's get into shadow banning and content banning because as we know, we can talk about pleasure till the cows come home, but until we're able to get that information out to people and nobody can watch it, then it's a moot point, right? If our content isn't getting across. Absolutely. Yeah. TikTok, God, fuck that place, man. You know, (laughs) tricky beast. It's like, it is the largest social media platform in the world right now, right? Um, So you have to play with it. It's the place where you're going to get the most amount of views. But fuckers. (laughs) Yeah. My first account at 320,000 followers got banned. Uh, You're just holding your phone in your hand and then the screen goes white and you're emailing all the people and they're telling you, yeah, go fuck yourself. Um, (sighs) So there I was and I had to start back over. So I picked my backup account before it had BDE period moves. And now it's just BDE moves, all one word. And I started completely over. And I started out trying to repost content I had saved on Drive. And 
TikTok doesn't like that. They want your fresh content. They want your soul and to give you nothing in return. Right. It's like if you use the word lesbian, the word lesbian has been sexualized to the point to where TikTok will uh, shadow ban and suppress your views just by using the word lesbian. Because, you know, we're not just simply a demographic of people. We are sexualized. So that puts you in this almost like pornographic connotation just by mentioning that word, which is... It's like, that's my people, though. So I can't even talk to right. my people without getting my views suppressed. And I'll have them directly come to my page and be like, oh, my God, I love this content. Why aren't I seeing it? And I'm like, don't ask me. <laughs> take it up with the take it up with the judge. Yeah. So now I have to use hashtags like relationship advice or relationship goals and just keep it general, which makes it to where I'm catching like the straights. And I don't mind catching the straights. The straights. I love the straights, you know. I used to try to hide in that demographic, but it's sure. like, um, I just want to get to my people without being sexualized, and you you can't do that. You have to play this game where I'm having to scroll and keep up with what's going on on the app because the algorithm shakes up. Like one day, two weeks ago, I've got a video with 960,000 views on it, but it's like every video after that, 2,000, wow, 1,500. I'm like. What is going on? But, you know, it's a game. But the thing is, is that my income is tied into this game. It's just like just this morning, Stripe, the the payment thing, told mm-hmm. me that they're discontinuing processing my payments because my content is pornographic. I was like, oh, I take God. clients one-on-one and counsel them. And they said, sorry, you're too risky. We won't process your payments. Wow. That is another aspect of this conversation that we hadn't really covered before. Because we've talked a little bit about about content banning and shadow banning. But when your literal payment and your livelihood is tied to a platform that discontinues the use of your content because they are claiming that it's something that really isn't the case, that is completely a human rights violation, in my opinion. It's just kind of like, okay, is there no one who I can speak to about this to rectify this situation? And if there isn't, how many other people is this happening to? I had to change my whole link tree this morning, my whole payment system. I had to change everything immediately this morning to continue my livelihood. Wow. I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. And like, Luckily, you know, because we've made this like sex ed on TikTok group, we have each other to kind of like bounce these ideas off of. We have made colleagues out of this situation and we're very lucky that we're also open to kind of sharing our challenges and to help each other. Mm -hmm. But there are many creators out there who don't really have the community that we've been able to build over the last year on TikTok and who are dealing with this all the time as well. And so Just want to mention that Whitney now, again, has 300,000 TikTok followers. Go follow her at BDE Moves. She's incredible. I'm sure you, I don't need to tell you that after this episode, but yeah, thank you for, for sharing that. I think like you can feel it when your content is being suppressed, especially if you do have three, you know, you have 300,000 views. I only have, not only, but I have 66,000 followers and some of my content only gets 200, 300 views. Like you could just tell like how on earth was my content before like able to reach so many people. And now because of algorithm changes or because of policy changes, it is not getting to anybody. No, because TikTok doesn't care about your following. They only care about like how many views you can get. And and it's like views to people that are not even following you yet. It's like it's not even set up 
like YouTube is to like get subscribers. Instead, TikTok's just like, let's see how much content we can get for free and make money off of it. Yes, exactly. Yeah, because as long as we, and I have a theory too that like they let a couple videos every once in a while go viral so that the user is like addicted to that. And we're like, we can do that again. And then we just create content every day and it doesn't go viral. So we keep creating more. It's just, you're right. It is a complete game. And it's Mm -hmm. like whether or not we are able to, play it with these new rules that are coming out about it all the time. Absolutely. And then like, if you'll take two days off, usually they'll be like, oh, you, you left, let me get you views again. So it's just like learning how to like control yourself as the app tries to control you. Totally. Yeah. 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 Going back really quickly to your pleasure coaching, because I'm sure there are people listening right now. And again, you know, listener, you should definitely follow Whitney on TikTok because she does share a lot of really excellent tidbits about communication, about pleasure. And we're going to get into some of those questions here. But I am curious if there are questions that come up again and again from clients when it comes to pleasure, intimacy, right? Like if you can share maybe like a little TED talk of what like, you know, your, your most shared answers are for your clients. Absolutely. So the most common thing that I get on my pages, most of the time it's couples and they're having low desire issues. And then the thing that'll come up there is the difference between spontaneous and responsive desire. So that's the deal. So we'll just drop in like spontaneous desire is your cinematic desire. Like you see it in the movies, like, oh my gosh, we were just lightly kissing and now let's go, let's let's push her against the wall, let's thrust in, we got three pumps and we're coming simultaneously because yeah, right. that happens so frequently. So, so then people want to come to me and they want to wonder why they're not working that way. Why don't I want it immediately? Why don't I want it as soon as my partner's like, are you in the mood? And, you know, why aren't we coming simultaneously? And I'm like... Because that's fucking fake. (laughs) It's such bullshit. So most of the time, women, specifically like cis women, or even like couples who are long-term, so when the relationship has gone long-term, people will usually be experiencing responsive desire. And that's desire that shows up after we feel stimulated in our body. And when I say that, Cis men get excited. They're like, oh, so I can just grope her into wanting it. It's like, no, that's going to go the opposite direction. <laughs> right. That's like throwing cold water on somebody and, you know, trying to expect up. them to be in the mood by groping a boob. And <laughs> don't do that. Do not grab boobs. Don't grab butts. Like some want that, but they'll ask for it directly. You know, mm-hmm. just communicate. So responsive desire is desire that shows up after arousal is felt in the body. And that's like the feeling tingly all over. Butterflies maybe. Warm or butterflies. And it's like, oh, I could be open to being in the mood. So instead of asking, are you in the mood? Ask, do you feel like getting in the mood? And then send your partner off to take a bubble bath or apply some massage oil and don't hurry to the obvious spots. Like I know you folks out there like to give a massage and it quickly turns into a butt rub, but like actually do the massage or slow dance in the kitchen, change the mood lighting, invite someone into their body before you ask them if they would like to get freaky. Because a lot of us are just living up here in our head, in our cognitive space. So when somebody comes over and grabs your butt, you just feel accosted. You're like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm washing dishes. Like, I have no (gasps) idea where this is going. But instead, if you 
put your self-control on display, then someone feels less of a sense of obligation. So it's like opening oh. these things up and inviting someone into their body before you invite them into bed. This feels like everyone needs to have this as a magnet on their refrigerator <laughs> in like, in like, maybe it's a really long acronym. I don't know. I just feel like I've seen your TikToks about this before mm-hmm. and it does feel revolutionary to be like, and you know, I've been in a relationship with my now fiance. Mm-hmm. So fun that we get to say fiance yeah. um, for, for six years. And that's a really long time. Right. And mm-hmm. we know each other's bodies. I know my body. He knows his body. But the things that you're saying still apply because people are really different when it comes to the way in which that they want to experience sexual pleasure or intimacy. And I just love this idea of, can I invite you to get in the mood rather than, are you in the mood at the second that I'm in the mood? Because it's so much to do with like, respect, communication, being willing to try. And of course, if you're like not willing to get in the mood, that's okay too. But I feel like it's much more enticing to say, can I invite you slowly, however you want to be invited to get in the mood? Yes. And then that creates context and context is more of a turn on than any like physical stimulation is going to be. Completely. Especially for cis women. It's all about how you're making us feel before you feel us. Oh God, you have so many, um, let's make some t-shirts after this. You have so many, you have so many good one-liners. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about some practical tips that you might share with some clients or folks on TikTok Mm -hmm. who want to give their partners more pleasure in the bedroom. I know every experience is very different, Mm -hmm. but what are some things that you kind of encourage these folks to think about and act on depending on the situation? Absolutely. So I always guiding clients to pay attention to the context that they're creating. Like, how are you making your partner feel as opposed to like trying to get into performance? Because a lot of people want to come to me and they'd be like, what do I do with my mouth or what do I do with my tongue? And I'm like, talk. You got to like create an environment before you try to like put your mouth on somebody's genitals because that's going to make it so much more the touch is going to be more stimulating if you've already got the mind going. So it's like, yeah, I could like try to do all the things with my tongue. But if I create this like sensual environment with my partner first, then by the time I get down there, I'll barely have to blow on it to get, you know, the desired outcome that I want, as opposed to being like trying to be so vigorous with stimulation. It's so much more effective if you stimulate the mind. So I'm always trying to get them to understand that like the power is in the context that you create, the environment, like the mood lighting, the way you talk to them, the way you talked to them yesterday, the way you talked to them the day before mm. yesterday, because all of those things are there once you try to put your hands on them. They're just going to remember every way you've made them feel before you tried to feel them. Wow. The idea of like how you talked to them yesterday is so real and something that you can't really articulate that that impacted your current situation until maybe after the fact or it's a cumulative effect where you're like, okay, we're not really communicating and yet we're expected to have this explosive experience in the bedroom. Like maybe that could happen for some people, but I would guess for most couples or people even, you know, of course, if you're, this is different, right? If you've been dating someone for a while versus you're on your second or third date, like the context, again, it's so, it's so unique. But this idea that 
things out of the bedroom deeply impact, no pun intended, what goes on inside the bedroom is super, super important. And we don't really talk about that enough. We don't. We don't. We think that sex is going to fix like the conflict in relationships. But if there's unresolved conflict, you're going to feel so much space when your skin touches. Like Mm. once you you get like close enough to your partner, if you've not resolved the conflict, there's a wall between you no matter how much you try to touch each other. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really valid points. I want to talk a little bit about this idea that you've brought up a little bit about performing in the bedroom. You know, you've kind of said this a little bit now where, you know, get out of your head about what it looks like. Tell me how it feels. And performing, as you mentioned, is a part of that, right? Like, so so what does that mean to maybe like perform in the bedroom? And how can we get out of our heads and into our bodies during sexual experiences, not only with a partner, right? Because mm-hmm. masturbation, as we know, Absolutely. Wait, what's, what, what was the rhyme? Wait, sex go, can wait, like, masturbate. Sex can wait, masturbate. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, because like masturbation is equally, if not more important when it comes to understanding what we want in our bodies in order to be capable of having a successful and pleasurable sexual experience with someone else. So really talk to me about performing. Talk to you about performance. Oh my gosh. So performance comes from comparing. We feel like our own feelings aren't valid to the point to where we're comparing what everybody else is doing and then trying to match up with that instead of asking ourselves like, well, how did that make me feel though? So one good example is the way that like cis men will plank on, on top of women, you know, when they're having sex because they saw it in porn. They're like, oh, this is good for a camera angle. So I'm going to plank on top of her and I'm going to, you know, long distance fuck and, and just poking, poking, poking the penis in and out of the vagina with all of his body not in contact with hers. And I'm like, this couldn't be possibly further from pleasurable because she's likely feeling very little because, you know, the vaginal walls have very little nerve endings. The the bundle of nerves is on the vulva, you know, the organ that gets skipped all the time. (laughs) It's just like, put your full body weight on top of her, Chad. Your full body weight, okay? His name is automatically Chad. Always Chad or Brad or, so you know, or Aiden. The whole fucking body weight. Like, push your chest into hers. This is relaxing. That's why we have weighted blankets for relieving anxiety. You are the weighted blanket, okay? Ooh, I really love this, like, practical advice because I do think there are a lot of like cis straight women listening. And maybe that is your experience with Chad Brad, boyfriend, whoever it is. And maybe you like that. But if you don't know that there are actual ways that you can have penetrative sex with your boyfriend, you know, missionary, that can be really pleasurable depending on the way in which it's happening. Absolutely. When my partner is wearing the strap and I'm getting the D, I want her full body weight on top of me. I'm wrapping my legs around. I don't want any daylight between us. It's terrible for a camera angle. It's top notch for pleasure. Like, yeah. it's like if it feels good, it's probably not going to be good for a camera angle. You're probably going to be so close. You can't tell, you know, who you are, where you begin and where you end. So that like, I feel like that's one of those quintessential performance things is this long distance fucking like get close, get your skin all over me, get your nose in the nape of my neck, smell me, experience me, taste me, hear me, hear my breath rate changing, you know, be affected by how you are affecting me. That's like so much of the pleasure based is like the arousal is not 
in the stimulation so much as is the mental stimulation taken in by realizing what I'm doing to my partner. And I miss that trying to be like, how does this look? How's it look? Jesus, man, how does it feel? How does it sound? How does it taste? How does it smell? Get in it. And you bring up a really good point because obviously this comparison, right? Like, sure, some of this happens in movies, but a majority of it happens from mainstream porn. And the porn mm-hmm. that's really popular is, you know, maybe it's like more aggressive than like a woman would actually want or mm-hmm. like more intense. And like, we don't talk enough about the messaging that men in particular do receive from porn. And they're, you know, everyone is trying to be the best at sex when they have it. And first of all, there's no such thing as that for every person because every person is different and every sexual experience requires something different depending on what those two people at that exact moment or more people want at that time. So that's number one. Absolutely. And number two, it's not folks' fault for not being taught the difference between porn and real life sex, but it is our obligation to talk about it now. Absolutely. We have no pleasure education. So it's like, if you have been a long distance fucker, okay, Chad, I'm sorry. Like, I I know that porn was where you learned that, but we got to shed that. You're not wrong. You're not bad. We just, we got to move forward from there. Yeah. And like encourage communication and encourage the ways in which that and encourage like porn that is reflective of, you know, maybe real life sex or more realistic experiences or if they if it is fantasy have that fantasy be reflective of what those both people want in that experience I mean in the end we have to speak up and when we do speak up we've got to do it with an active listener and like if you're not fucking an active listener put your pants on and stop right. fucking those people it's time to go go get your frozen yogurt get out the door my comment <laughs> section is like littered with these nightmares of them saying well I told him that I liked it this way and he said I know what I'm doing and I'm like oh my god like put your pants on don't continue yeah. to have sex with people who talk like that yeah yeah people have to be listening and like willing to put their egos aside and say oh okay I thought that that was good but if you don't want that then let's do something else like that's really important to adapt depending on the experience like positive redirection doesn't have to be a bruise to your ego. If somebody's telling right. you how to please them, they want you to please them. Like you win. Just take the directions. Yes, 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 yes. All right. We have a couple more questions here. Whitney, this has been wonderful. You are welcome back anytime. I love all the content that you make. I think it's so critical and so important because a lot of the questions that we get are around masturbation, around being shamed around masturbation, around not being able to orgasm, about being unsure about how to orgasm. And there's so much that people feel inadequate about when it comes to their pleasure or even myself as a sex educator, I often am, you know, have to shut down my own ideas of like, okay, is my experience of masturbation right now similar to other people, you know, other people's? And maybe part of that is a curiosity, but I do think part of that is kind of like, okay, like I want to make sure that I'm quote unquote normal. And like, I am someone with that education. I have something to say about that. So please. Okay. So I'm 37. I have been masturbating since I was eight years old. And my masturbation has changed in 50 million ways in that timeline. So to that, I would say that your masturbation is going to change. It's going to change all the time. I used to like to do like firm pressure in circles, like as hard as I could and real fast when I was in my 20s. Now it's like this slow, gradual buildup of filling my vulva and gorge and this the lightest touch that I can possibly 
do. And it's the most explosive orgasm. And it's like, it's always shifting. Like in two weeks, it could be something completely different. So if you're feeling shame about masturbation, first of all, I'll tell you, shame is made up. Someone else put that there. It's a program. Deprogram yourself. Shame Mm. is this message that I'm bad. You're not bad for reaching down and feeling the power between your thighs. Empower yourself, honey. Make yourself feel good anytime you want to. It's not guilty pleasure. It's just pleasure. You can have it. You don't have to earn it. You can do it anytime you want to in the privacy of your own home. (laughs) That literally made me tear up. (laughs) It's yours. You can have it. And what's beautiful about it is it's always changing because you're an organic being. You are always changing. So there's always new yes. information there for you to share with your partner, for you to blossom, for, for you to empower, for you to feel good about yourself, you know, for you to feel in an empty Thursday, whatever. Oh, I need you to be in every single school. <laughs> just, <laughs> I want to be. Just for, I know, right? We're, we're going to talk offline because there's a lot that we could do, a lot that we need to do here. But To kind of close here, you know, I'm kind of curious the hits, right, of what you teach. What do you really hope that people take away from this content on pleasure, intimacy, and sexual health education when you create this content? You know, the comments that I wake up to almost every day that make me cry and motivate me to continue to do this are the ones when people tell me that they understand now that orgasm is not the goal. It's not even the entire point that now they feel confident and excited about just enjoying the moment with their partner. And that's my hope for what I do is that people understand that sex is not a performance. It's not meant to be goal oriented. It's simply just a time to be present and exchange pleasure with your partner. Incredible. And again, not talked about enough because there is this emphasis on the orgasm gap and fixing that. And at the same time, we want to make sure that we don't put pressure on ourselves and our partners for this end result where the reality is let's just focus on everything in between then and how beautiful and special and fun and sexy and unique and different that is. Then the orgasms usually just sneak up on you. You didn't even see them coming and they're so much stronger. When you don't pay attention. Yes. Yeah. It's really true. Yeah. And not to mention, you know, like how the average man or person with a penis takes a lot less time on average to reach orgasm than a woman or someone with a vulva. And so it's important to recognize those differences. Well, it's like Dr. Betty Dotson said in her book, Sex for One, you know, when she took her body sex group of men and was teaching them how to masturbate in a way that was more complimentary to having sex with a woman. Because men will put the death grip on that thing, big purple head and just, you know, and we've got so much um, genital mutilation going on here with routine circumcision. You know, it creates an environment where a lot of cis men have less nerve sensation than they typically would. But the way that they masturbate is not conducive for creating like a long, pleasurable interlude of straight, you know, uh, stimulation when you're used to like jerking, being so vigorous. So she would instruct them to slow it down to, you know, take more time, a little looser grip and like getting used to that kind of stimulation. And it made it easier to do what's more pleasurable when you get together. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whitney, you are so awesome. I'm so glad that you are here. I'm wondering if you can share where our listeners can find you and maybe like what you're working on and what's next for you. Oh my gosh, yes. So of course you can find me on TikTok at BDE Moves. And then I'm on Instagram and that one's BDE period 
moves. But I'm also on Patreon. I have a lot of uncensored content on there. If you want like the real deal without all of the violations, you should join me on Patreon as patreon.com slash BDE moves. And this week I launched OnlyFans. So I'm excited about that one. And it's the same as the Instagram. It's BDE period moves. And right now there's a a lot of boudoir photography up from me and my my partner that I love so fucking much. And um, shout out to Janelle. (laughs) Love you, Janelle. Yes. Yes. But we're going to be hopefully recording like real pleasure-based sex. And I'm looking forward to sharing that in the future. Incredible. Once again, thank you so much for being here. I have learned so much from you over the past year that I found your content and in the last 40 minutes of interviewing you. So thank you so much. And I'm so glad to call you a friend in the sex ed space. Thank you, friend. I appreciate you. Our creator, host, and executive producer is me, Danielle Bezalel, aka DB. Our co-producer and communications lead is Katherine Cohen. Our co-producer is Brian Peoples. Our social media intern is Sarah Kelly. Our music theme is by Hook Sounds. Thank you so much to our featured guests, partners, and our listeners. Want to advertise with us? Email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. For more sex ed content, follow us on IG at sex ed with DB podcast and on TikTok at sex ed with DB. See you next time.